This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie, the girl who once vandalized an Amsterdam hotel with stinky cheese. I did. That is a great story. We'll have to tell the full thing someday. And that's Miranda, who absolutely loves Dolly Parton. It's so true. She is amazing. And I just got a new Dolly Parton shirt. And it's pink. And it's cheetah print. And it has Dolly's oh. face just right in the middle. And it's everything. It's the energy I need in my life. Cheetah with Dolly, huh? Pink cheetah Dolly print, baby. Wow. Uh, you're going to have to show me that later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to love it. All right. Well, so as this episode airs, we will have just celebrated our birthdays. Our Um, birthdays. And for all you listeners out there, our birthdays are just two days apart. We're the 15th and the 17th. So respectively. um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And over the years, we have tried to get away from our crazy home lives and children and, you know, take a moment. To ourselves. To just relish in our right. Pisces feminine energy of our <laughs> Absolutely. Earth. So, Miranda, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember or not. It's been a few years ago. We have a mutual friend who was going through kind of a period where she was doing things for herself. Oh, yes. She was feeling herself. She was in her feelings and loving life and just living her best life. Right. Yes. Well, which I support. Yes. I fully support. I love, I love her. As long as safety it. is considered. So um, her <laughs> intention was to go to this big comedy show at an arena right. by herself. <laughs> we just couldn't let her do it, could we? I just didn't feel good about it, you know? I mean, it's it's the 2020s. It can be it can be dangerous. So, we tagged along. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. And we made it our birthday getaway, damn we it. We sure did. And um, we, of course, had like nosebleed seats, whereas she had floor seats. But well, she at least could we could reach out her hand and touch Trevor Noah. It was a Trevor Noah show. Yeah. She could literally have touched him if she, she could have. But at least we could keep tabs on her from up above. She and was it, very visible. <laughs> and it wasn't just the seats that differentiated us. Miranda and I were dressed like mom's going to Target and our friend was dressed like she was going to a ball. Like the Met Gala. Yeah, she, really. She could have walked a red carpet. Please describe her outfit for us. Oh my gosh, well, her hair is always beautiful. Just so much hair and so pretty. But it was a, uh, it was black if I remember it, but it was like, it had like a crinoline under it. It was like a, a poofy fancy dress very fancy and very poofy and very short we should also mention yeah we should also mention and this is march yeah and 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 we had a lot of legs out and her legs are amazing but also i would have been very cold well we do live in the south but it's still chilly in the winter months but partially because of the cold as you mentioned we thought that we were going to be very smart and the hotel that we were staying at wasn't too far from where the um, event was Um, (laughs) i forgot about this (laughs) they offered a free shuttle 
And we were like, oh, perfect. We'll take the shuttle to this restaurant that mm-hmm. is right across from the place. Mm-hmm. And then we won't have to walk and be out in the cold. And so we did all the coordinating and whatnot in the lobby and <laughs> had the shuttle set up. So we climb on to the shuttle. And the nice gentleman says, where to, ladies? And what was it? Bone Bonefish? It was a restaurant. Yeah, it was Bonefish we like, Grill. Oh, yeah. Bonefish Grill. I'm not even kidding you. We shut the van doors. The man pulled out of the parking lot, <laughs> took a left, drove for a minute, then turned not into even the a parking minute. lot. Not even a minute. It was like 15 seconds, and 10 seconds of that was waiting at the red light oh to gosh. turn left we into were... the Bonefish Grill parking lot. <laughs> we we were... could have literally walked. <laughs> By the time we got in the van and got our seats, we could have already been there, essentially. It's so true. I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten about that. We tipped the man for driving us 150 yards. Well, I mean, you have to. He expects it. Well, no, I know. The same. The same service. We just really didn't need to go as far as we thought we had to go. But you know that he went back to the hotel and was like, y'all, they just had me drive them. (laughs) Across the parking lot. Across the the parking lot. Through one traffic light. (laughs) But I have to say, though, it was a good thing he did because our friend was wearing flip-flops that I'm pretty sure were made from cardboard and dental floss it was the smallest teeniest tiniest thong strap on a flip-flop you've ever seen and I was very concerned if she was going to make it but I was even more concerned about how underdressed I looked at that moment in time because (laughs) I was just glad that you and me were like solidarity because we did it was like jeans it was like a long sleeve t-shirt it was like maybe some some little boots and we were just off on our way and she had the 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 what's that word again you just said crinoline yes so she had that black dress but please lest we forget she had a fur Mm -hmm. like a fur uh what is that thing called like a shrug maybe or like a it's like a piece of fur draped over her shoulders. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we're so low class. I don't even know what it's called, technically. And, like and a- off we go to Bonefish Grill. Off we go. <laughs> Across the parking lot. Oh, my gosh. So then what happened to us? Do you remember? Uh, well, yes, I do remember. We went to Bonefish Grill, and they said the wait was, like, almost two hours. And the show started <laughs> in, like, 90 minutes. So then we 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 gr- regrouped, and we walked back. That's when back. we went to the Thai place, right? We, we went to the Thai place? back to where the man had just driven us from. And then across the street to the Thai place. And it was delicious. (laughs) I love the Thai place, but they took a really long time. And we we were were like getting really crunched for time. And we knew we still had to get to the, the convention center. Um, which was a little ways away, but did we just walk there, or yes, did we? Yes, we walked we just, there. We just walked there. We and just, the dental <laughs> floss sandals nearly <laughs> ruined our friend's feet. Oh my goodness! But it was so hilarious because I remember she got like VIP entrance, and we had to like wait in the oh, big yeah, long we line. Were, we were way in the cold. back in that line, and she was like escorted in by Trevor Noah's like groupies. She just went on into the very front row, was handed a glass of champagne. Campaign. Meanwhile, we're like hoofing it up to the nosebleeds. In the section. nosebleeds, like looking for the best deal on a giant beer. Like the poor people that we are. That was a good birthday, Mel. That was. It a good was. One. They've they've yeah. all been good, but that one that one had a good some good laughs in it. Oh my gosh, we have so many birthday stories. We'll have to just disclose over time. It's going to be amazing. It will be. <laughs> so Miranda, what is our motherhood topic this week. Our motherhood topic of the week is going to be pretty controversial for a lot of listeners out there um, because I think this is one that comes up in conversation a lot and people have very strong feelings either way. Mm -hmm. But we're just going to go ahead. We're just going to go for the gold. We're just going to go for it, right, for the jugular and talk about screen time. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So I put a lot of research into this one because I wanted to have actual 
you know, evidence-based scientific studies to reference as opposed to just people's opinions. <laughs> That's good. That's because good because the opinions, opinions are strong on this one. They are. And of course, I know our model for our podcast is we want to share a lot of information and let our listeners form their own opinions. So I want to share some scientifically evidence-based research with everybody. Um, And we can, of course, chat about it and then let people kind of decide on their own what they want to do. Because we're not here to tell you how to raise your kids, people, okay? They're your kids, not mine. So you do what you want. But let's start off with some statistics, shall we? Yes, I'm curious to hear these. Some statistics. Okay, 30% of three-month-olds and 90% of two-year-olds are regularly watching programs on screens. So 30% of three-month-olds, 90% of two-year-olds. There was a study in 2014 done by Florida International University, and they found that children aged two and under in the United States averaged three hours and three minutes a day of screen time, whereas in 1997, they averaged about one hour and 19 minutes a day. So that's about, you know, a little over 15 years. It's more or less doubled in in about 15 years of screen time. And that's just age two and under. There was a report released in 2019 by Common Sense Media. They're a nonprofit organization. And they found that eight to 12-year-olds in the U.S. now use screens for entertainment for an average of four hours, 44 minutes a day. And 13 to 18-year-olds are on screens for an average of seven hours a day. 13 to 18-year-olds, seven hours a day. Seems like a whole lot. But here's, here's the kicker for those numbers. It actually doesn't include using their screens for schoolwork or homework. Oh, wow. So it's way more than that. That's just purely for entertainment purposes. So that one was pretty jarring, and that's 2019. So that's even pre-COVID. You know, I think it's probably even increased. I bet um, it has a lot. After COVID. Now, here is one I thought was really, really super interesting. I think we could explore a little bit more. Kids who live in neighborhoods that have the highest social and physical disorder. So kids, for example, that live in neighborhoods where crime rate is high, gang activity is high, they actually have a 40 to 60 percent higher likelihood of using a screen more, like higher screen time. Really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say the opposite. The opposite, and you would think so, but it actually turns out that higher income families, they have a lot of other activities that they can be doing. Think about those higher income families. They probably have their kids involved in extracurricular activities. They probably have more money to get them involved in different sports and clubs and social things. Okay, And um, probably parents who don't have, you know, financial means to do that would rather their kids be inside watching TV than out in the gang, you know, in the it's streets. It's probably safer. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're they're doing the best they can with what they got. So I thought that one was really interesting. And kind of an, an offshoot of that, too, we can kind of draw the conclusion just in, in, as far as socioeconomic status is concerned when we're looking at teenagers. If students from higher socioeconomic status have more exposure to extracurricular activities and social groups and all these really enriching activities, and kids from lower socioeconomic statuses do not have access to those things, it's also more likely that those kids probably have poor nutrition. You know, they may have higher rates of obesity. They may have higher rates of cognitive and developmental issues as well. That makes sense. Just purely based on socioeconomic status alone. So kind of the the bottom line here, that's a lot of statistics. I wanted to find out, well, what are doctors saying about this? What are pediatricians saying about this? What do they currently recommend? So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends no screen time for children at all until 18 months. Okay. And and then around 18 months, they can begin to get a little bit more screen time and, you know, it kind of ticks up. The World Health Organization, they provided some things as well. They said no screen time for babies under two 
and no more than one hour of screen time a day for those aged two to four. Wow. So that's what, you know, professionals are saying based on the research and the science that's now, been done so far. I should have asked you this at the top, but when you say screen time, I'm assuming you're referring to television, iPads, phones, like all mm-hmm. of it, all grouped yep. together, right? Yeah. So any, any kind, kind of, of device. Okay. Yep. And, and this could be something that, you know, we deem as either educational or for entertainment purposes as well. Right. But it's on any type of screen. Correct. Got it. You got it. The, the studies get a little bit different as the child gets a little bit older. And it all goes back to brain development, right? Because babies that are less than two years old, really their two-dimensional vision is not great. Mm-hmm. And the best way for them to learn, again, they're exploring their physical environment. They're beginning to learn cause and effect in their physical environment. So what's actually the most beneficial thing for their brain is, um, you know, living in, I guess, the 3D world, living in our real world where they can do something and then have something happen as a result of their action. So um, the best thing that they say, you know, if you are going to do screen time with like a baby, really the the best way to do that is with like a FaceTime or a video chat with a family member, because at least then there's still some kind of interface, um, you know, kind of a back and forth reciprocal, um, you know, conversation. That makes sense. But Vanderbilt University actually did um, a study where they were looking at babies who were learning from a person who was face-to-face with them versus that same person doing the exact same thing on a screen. Oh, wow. So it was the exact same person, exact same thing, and they saw way more positive results from the baby dealing with that person in real life as opposed to on the screen. So I think, you know, again, it's just kind of the way your baby's brain is built. They're they're really not wired for the TV at this point. They're really not getting anything out of it, and it might actually may actually be harming them. It's kind of up for debate whether whether it's harming them or how. But the main thing that they're saying, and this is coming from UNICEF, they're saying that exposure to screens reduces a baby's ability to read human emotion um, and control their frustration. And it detracts from activities that could be boosting their brain power like play and interacting with others. I can see that because really a lot of stuff that we're watching on screens, you have to have a basic understanding of like humans and how they interact to be able to watch it on a screen. So if you're so young that you don't know those basics of interaction and emotions, that it Mm -hmm. would be really hard. It's like you're skipping a step. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you think about a baby's vision, too. They everything's just going to be bright, colorful blobs to them, you know. Um, So even music, I think, is is really positive. You know, having just a TV on and expecting your baby to get anything from it before age two, really not going to derive any super positive results. So let's talk about toddlers. Let's zoom in here because there is some positive research coming out about toddlers and screen time. So again, we want to kind of show the balance here. So this is coming from Sarah Lytle. She's the Director of Outreach and Education at the University of Washington uh, Institute for Brain Sciences. And she says, this is a quote from her, the new buzz term is joint media engagement. This means you're going to interact with your child around screens, just like you would interact with your child around any kind of media, whether it's a book or art material. So she's like, it's really not about how much screen time they're getting. It's whether or not it's going to be an enriching opportunity for for you as a parent to kind of help them learn. So that idea of joint media engagement. So, you know, maybe you're watching an episode of Sesame Street or episode of Dora the Explorer or whatever, and you as the parent are sitting there saying, oh, wow, what's Dora going to find? Oh, here comes Swiper. He's going to steal something, and that's not nice. So you're kind of giving your reactions and modeling for your child what they should think about. Gotcha. So in viewing. other words, like plopping your child in front of a television and leaving the room 
obviously is not as beneficial to watching with them, talking, interacting with them about what's going on on the screen. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, and she says, you know, if you're going to let your kid watch TV for 20 minutes so you can go do something, like, that's totally fine. Like, that's not a big deal. It's not going to harm their development. But if you want it to be a truly educational experience, the best way to do it is this idea of joint media engagement and kind of being involved with them through that process. They also found that there are some really great positive shows out there that are educational that kids can learn from. Um, The one that's noted here, actually, there's two noted here, and they are both PBS shows, and I know we're both big fans of both of these, is Super Y and Daniel Tiger. And they've done a lot of studies with them, and there's several, several studies that have been done. But students who watch Super Y actually had higher literacy rates, and students who watched Daniel Tiger actually had um, greater emotion recognition, empathy, and self-efficacy than if they didn't. So some positive things can happen, but again, it's really about what they're watching and not even necessarily for like how long they're watching, gotcha. if that makes sense. Quality over quantity at this point. The now con- again, The content matters. It really does. It really does. And I think what you have to balance as the parent here is their level of physical activity. Because if your child is just sedentary and wanting to watch TV all the time and they don't want to get up and play and actually be physical, that's kind of a concern, right? Yeah. Um, and there were some studies that found, you know, well, kids that are just sitting down watching TV, whether it's entertainment or educational, or whatever. Yeah, they had um, they were more likely to have higher BMIs. So one thing to just be cognizant of with that is if your child is becoming more sedentary and getting more screen time, they may be more likely to have attention disorders, disturbed sleep, um, lower grades, maybe even a higher BMI, um, higher rates of obesity. But the caveat there is it's only slightly more likely to have those things. And again, I think there's a lot of cross-correlation between your socioeconomic status as well. So I um, want to provide all these links to all these articles in the show notes. There's so much on here. Another interesting fact that I found here when we're looking at, we've talked about babies, we've talked about toddlers. Let's talk about school-age children just briefly. What is interesting about school-age children is it's actually more positive for them to have more screen time than it's than it's negative. So kids who spend more time on screens actually had more close friends. And when they were exposed to more uh, educational activities, they actually had healthier brain development and, and higher empathy and that all of these things really as That is really interesting. So there may yeah. be hope for me and my <laughs> child. Maybe is- so. Well, and the thing I think what's going on with that, um, with kids who have more close friends when they have more screen time, is they're able to have conversations with their friends about the things they're watching. Yeah. Right? And and I can tell you that, like, firsthand from listening to conversations that my child is ha- that's what he's always talking about is, mm-hmm. hey, have you seen such and such on YouTube? And, um, you know, I... I definitely understand that there are drawbacks to screen time, but we are just about to come off of a break here on that he's been on a break from school, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't even want to tally what his daily <laughs> screen time has been. Uh, I mean, and this yeah. is probably reflects poorly on my parenting, but sometimes I'll make him put his iPad up and then watch something on the TV. Those are sure. both screen time. Mix it up. Mix it up, though. the weather has been bad. It's like, yeah. we're not going to go outside when it's 12 degrees out, you know? No, so, no, we're not going to do that. So <laughs> so you, you, it's kind of this balance of, you know, you do what you have to do. And there's there are some positives. So you can, um, I think it's just all about balance, right? And doing what's best for your kid. Now, boys tend to spend more time on screens than girls do in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually five hours daily on uh, weekends and four hours on weekdays. And and boys are about one hour more 
per day than girls are. But um, boys tend to spend more time playing games, uh, Mm -hmm. so video gaming and all of that kind of stuff, and girls spend more time on social media. So um, again, they're kind of even learning in some capacity about competition and sportsmanship and communication collaboration, as well as, you know, social skills, you know, when you think about how girls are using it. Okay, so to wrap up, I do want to share an article um, that I thought was really, really good. This is from the Mayo Clinic, and it just has some really great bullet points. So things to be aware of and things to be just cognizant of is screen time in in high, high amounts can be linked to obesity, irregular sleep, behavioral problems, impaired academic performance, violence, and less time for active creative play. So when you start to see these patterns, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are warning signs, and maybe it's maybe your child needs to pull back. We need to set some limits, right? If we're getting into any of those areas, okay, let's let's pull the screen away for a little bit. And and some ways that you can do that to just reduce screen time. I thought these were some really great suggestions. Number one is to just eliminate background TV altogether. Like have a designated time where we're going to sit down and we're going to watch TV or it's off. And I think that's really cool. I I grew up in a household where there was always a TV on in every single room that you were in all of the time. I definitely have attention deficit disorder. I don't think it was caused by the TVs, but I don't think that the TVs helped either. I think having a a set time where, okay, now we're going to watch TV or now you can have your device or whatever that looks like is better to have that boundary than just TVs on all the time for for just background noise. Keep TVs, smartphones, and computers out of the bedroom. So monitor your child's screen time and the websites that they're visiting by keeping TVs and computers in a common area in your house. So you can keep an eye on both the the quality of content that they're viewing and how much they're viewing. If I can just tag on to that, I was recently Mm -hmm. at a conference where there was a renowned expert on human trafficking. They were talking about one of the biggest things that we can do as parents for our like preteen and teen children is what you just said. Keep all of those devices out of the bedroom. Don't ever have a preteen or teen have that device in their room overnight where you have no idea what they're doing with it. Wow. Wow. And it was kind of staggering. I mean, that's how we've always had it set up here. Obviously, we don't have a preteen yet, but I just don't think that, you know, a kid needs to go to bed with their iPad. I don't think that that's a healthy Mm -hmm. practice. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was amazing to think about. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Because that makes them, they're very vulnerable if there's a person that's trying to get to them on the Mm -hmm. internet and they have that device with them. That's the Mm -hmm. perfect opportunity for, you know, a predator to take advantage. Wow. That is such a great point. I'm so glad that you, that you mentioned that. So lots of positives to that one, keeping it in a common area where you can just kind of keep an eye on it, walk by. And then, like you said, not letting them have it overnight in their room. I love that. That's that's really great advice. Um, and then the last one, and this is this one's a challenge for me, but it's don't eat in front of a screen. Oh no. I fail. You, Give me an F on that one. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm There's not. nothing better than plopping down on the couch with a big old bowl of popcorn. But when when you allow your child to do this and when you as a parent model this, it of course encourages just mindless eating, which can lead to weight gain and then children begin to associate the two things. And you think you're already getting a lot of dopamine and, you know, good feel good hormones and things going on wow. in your brain from the food that you're eating and then you pair that up with the TV and then those addictions can kind of overlap and everything gets very muddled. So I had never you know. even thought of it like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And and it's true because I have seen kids who cannot sit down and eat their food unless they have a, a screen in front of them, their iPad propped up in front of them. That like makes sense. And I mean, we're, like, we're guilty on that one around here even. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my husband and I work opposite schedules. So I just usually right. get 
Jonah food and I'm like here you go we don't have like the quote-unquote family dinner opportunity really Mm -hmm. and so when we do that we're all together and we sit down to eat he's always like can I bring my iPad no Mm, so maybe we need to try to do that more (laughs) yeah yeah I think I think it's a really good one because again when you just consider the brain activity that's going on from both of those things happening at the same time it's probably better that they're not tethered together Um, And then lastly, again, I told you this was a great article. When your child does have screen time, try to make it as engaging as possible. So plan what they view. (laughs) And that's, that's so important because I, I, I hate the way that like, we only have streaming services here. We don't have cable or anything like that. But, you know, it's like the Netflix menu comes up and my son's eyes are just as big as dinner plates. And he's just like, oh my gosh, there's so many choices. And he can't make up his mind because he's so overstimulated with just how many options. Options I completely are. understand Woo-wee. that. we It's a challenge. So try to get specific. Try to really plan and, and, you know, pare down what they can watch. Watch TV with your child whenever possible. And again, have conversations with them. So watch programs together. Talk about what you see. Talk about, you know, your family values. Talk about when you see negative things like violence or drug abuse. If you see a junk food ad, you can even talk about, you know, that's on TV and it doesn't mean that it's good for you just because it's on TV. So you can have those conversations as teaching moments with it. Um, You can also record programs and watch them later. Uh, My husband actually does this all the time with football games because it's just way easier to fast forward through the commercials. Right. That makes sense. And you think about, you can do that for your kids too so that they're not getting all of these commercials in front of them with toys and junk food and, you know, just garbage coming at them all the time. And lastly is encourage active screen time. So have your child take stretch breaks or do yoga Um, see who can do the most jumping jacks during a commercial break. Things like this that can kind of be a little bit more physical Mm -hmm. than just sedentary sitting in front of the TV. So definitely some pros, definitely some cons, but I think a lot of this boils down to how old is your child and kind of what are your goals and, and values as a family for sure too. Sounds great. Good, good information in there. We Yay. all might have some work to do. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think so for sure. So, Miss Melanie, what is our medical mystery today? Today, we are going to talk about something that I know we are all familiar with. Mm-hmm. Insomnia insomnia well this won't be a snooze (laughs) or it may be so suit up Um, (laughs) suit up (laughs) i'm gonna start by just defining it because it's actually it's more than one issue just by definition so insomnia is a common sleep disorder that can make it hard to fall asleep hard to stay asleep or cause you to wake up too early and not be able to get back to sleep I'm the third one right off. I'm the third one, I can tell you. I am probably the second because I have no problem falling asleep at first, but then Mm. I wake up and Mm. then I can't get back to sleep. Mm. I guess Mm. maybe a combination. Yeah. You're like a a 2.3. I'm a 2.5, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, at, at some point in everyone's lives, folks will most likely experience insomnia. Um, And for most folks, that's considered, that's a short-term situation, which they're calling that short-term or acute, which lasts for Mm -hmm. just a couple days or a couple weeks. And that situation is usually the result of stress or a traumatic event. Sure, um, something crazy is going on in your life. And yeah, you it could be anything, sleep. really. Changes yeah. of, of any kind. But some people struggle with long-term or chronic insomnia, and that's classified as anything that lasts for a month or more. So there's two types of insomnia. There's primary and there's secondary. And it's important to know the difference between each. If you're struggling with what's considered secondary insomnia, that means that insomnia is not the condition, but it's a symptom of something else. It's a symptom of something else. So would that be, um, for example, like maybe you're taking a medication for another medical issue and as a result of that you have insomnia or something like that? 
Exactly. So the most common causes of secondary insomnia are a variety of mental health disorders, mostly anxiety disorders such Mm. as PTSD, um, depression, you know, other mental health issues. That makes sense. Medication, which you mentioned, and and insomnia or struggles with sleeping can be the side effect of many different kinds of medication. So many, Um, yeah steroids, anything for weight loss, lots of cold medicines, you know, kind of all depends. Um, And then there are other medical conditions that can also lead to insomnia. And and those include things like chronic pain, diabetes, heart disease, GERD, or uh, gastro reflux. Oh, yeah. I know GERD well. I got to have have GERD the whole time I was pregnant. That was so much fun. So... Well, you can see how that would lead to... Definitely. Because as soon as you are horizontal, forget sleeping if you're having GERD or heartburn or anything along those lines. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. So if if you're a person who's struggling with what is considered secondary insomnia, you really have to look at the underlying condition and see if there's changes that you can make to the treatment. Makes sense. Or if if it is GERD, like a medication that you can take for yes. that GERD. Thank God for renatid- renatidine or whatever it was that I did. <laughs> no, ki- no kidding. I also um, had a had a time with that while I was pregnant. Oh my so, gosh. And that does make, that makes it impossible to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. When you opinion. have the fiery acid flame lava of Mordor creeping up <laughs> your throat, I'm sorry. You're not going to drift off to sleep <laughs> in any form or fashion. No. Important that we talk about the common causes of primary insomnia. Primary insomnia. Which- Primary insomnia. So this is a situation where there is no adjustment to be made to treatment. These are just the different situations that can lead to it. Gotcha. The main one, stress. So it actually listed in one of the articles that I looked at uh, concerns about work, school, health, finances, family. Oh, Um, my gosh. The list keeps going. Yeah, stressful life events or trauma, the death or illness of Mm. a loved one, divorce, job changes. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, yeah, I think those are the things that, uh, as they say, keep us up at night, as it were. Yeah. Indeed. The others I think are important that we mention as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Travel or work schedule. Eating too much late in the evening. Really? That is on the list of of causes. You know, I feel like Oprah once said, don't eat anything after 7 p.m. Yeah. It has to do with that reflux kind of situation as well. When you think about how much energy your body's expending to, like, digest your food. And so maybe it's, you know, that different, like, rest and digest, I don't know, something along those lines throws throws the rhythm off. Now, this one, I know, Miranda, you and I will both have personal stories on this, but um, caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol all lead to issues with sleep. Blame it on the alcohol. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Because when I tell you, like, I love to drink, (laughs) but I, (laughs) my body does not love to sleep after I have been drinking Well, I'm going to read to you, which, of course, folks, like always, these um, articles are all linked in the show notes, but I'm going to read to you this last sentence in this one article. It said, alcohol may help you fall asleep. Oh, there it is. (laughs) But it prevents deeper stages of sleep and often causes awakening in the middle of the night. Yeah. I have, I too have experienced that. Yeah. So not, not the best, not the best. So what we're saying here, listeners, is you should really try to maximize your day drinking as opposed to your (laughs) night drinking. That is not an official stance of this podcast. However, it is very good advice from your friends here. We highly recommend it. Uh, the earlier you start, the better it is. Okay, now this part that I, and I feel like this is very important for me to mention because this ties in with everything that you were talking about with screen time. Ah. 
Of course, it's tempting to look at your computer or your phone or watch the TV before bed. But many studies have shown that these devices can interfere with sleep by suppressing the production of melatonin. Mm. Now, I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but essentially what it leads to is causing you to feel more alert than you actually would be if you hadn't been looking at the screens for so long. Gotcha. Um, And to really understand this, we kind of have to talk about our biological clock. In healthy adults, your biological clock follows a 24-hour sleep-wake cycle. So when the sun rises in the morning, your body produces cortisol which is a hormone, and that makes you feel awake and alert. Then as daylight starts to fade, your body starts releasing melatonin, which is another hormone, and that produces feelings of sleepiness. So electronic backlit devices, which includes cell phones, tablets, e-readers, computers, televisions, they emit blue light. And blue light has been shown to reduce or delay the production of melatonin in the evening, which causes you, you know, the melatonin causes you to feel sleepy. So with lack of it, you're not going to be sleepy. And then it can also reduce the amount of time you spend in REM sleep. So, and I know we've talked before, REM is like the, that's the good sleep. Yeah. Yeah. In a really good band from the 80s. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that too. <laughs> the, the other concern here with, the, with all of this, with blue light, is that children are particularly vulnerable to sleep problems from, you know, stemming from electronic oh, devices. Okay, yeah. Um, and there's been all kinds of studies that have shown a link between the devices with screens before bed and how long it takes them to fall asleep. And then if they use the devices before they go to sleep, they are getting a lot less high quality sleep and then they're really tired the next day. Gotcha. And I can speak to that. I, you know, if, if it was up to my child, he would have an iPad in his hand all day, every day. And it does take him a long time to fall asleep if he's watching that right before he goes to bed. Yeah. You want some tips? Just the tips. Okay. I'm going to go over a short list of tips to help you prevent insomnia and promote sound sleep. Yes, Are you please. ready? Yes. Let me get my notepad out because I'm going to need these. I'm going to need these desperately. What you got? Keep your bedtime and wake time consistent from day to day, including weekends. I refuse. I'm sorry. I refuse. I know I'm reading the list, but I refuse. (laughs) I am not waking up at no six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Mm -mm, Not doing it. Neither am I. But it is a good. It's that is the tip. Y'all take it or leave it if you want. (laughs) Take or leave the tip. Just the tip. Just all it is. It's just the tip. (laughs) Next one. Stay active. Regular activity helps promote a good night's sleep. That's always good advice. It really is. And that one is definitely true um, because I was talking about my Garmin, but when I was using it and like actually sticking with my routine, hello, I need to get back on that. um, I would notice that on the days that I exercised, my sleep performance was actually higher. So um, I, I guess there's something something there for sure there's definitely something there maybe i'm Um, just a case study but it worked on me (laughs) (laughs) check your medications to see if they may contribute to insomnia that's a good point and i think that that's something that everyone should do you know we all get those big long flyers when we pick up medications at the pharmacy and i don't know Mm -hmm. about y'all but they sit in a stack on my counter but a lot of times we don't pay attention to you know what those side effects can actually be Right. So if you're having a terrible time sleeping and you've started taking a new medicine recently, you know, might want to put two and two together. Yeah, that's a um, great point. And, and talk to your doctor about it. Right. Um, avoid or limit naps. Avoid or limit caffeine and alcohol. <sighs> Les I. <laughs> <laughs> avoid large meal, meals and beverages before bedtime 
which, you know, I, I support, I think all of those are good tips. You know, everybody's got to take care of themselves, how works best for them. But Yeah, it's just your kind of sleep hygiene and doing what works for yeah. you. Yeah, make your bedroom comfortable for sleep mm-hmm. and use it only for sleep. Yes, yes. That's a hard one, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I gotta hide from this family of mine and I end up in my bedroom <laughs> during the day, I, you know. And then the last tip on this list is create a relaxing bedtime ritual. A warm bath, reading, listening to soft music, which sounds <laughs> nice. soft music. Oh, indeed. I did yeah. feel like I needed to mention as well, there are, of course, a lot of over-the-counter sleep aids. Use those with caution, though, and make sure you do your research. There's melatonin out there that they are giving in very huge doses, and not everyone is going to benefit from that. There are, like, Unisom, Z-Quil, Tylenol PM. Uh, a lot of the CBD supplements should say that they help with sleep. Yeah. Um, So the biggest thing with all of those is consult with your doctor, make sure you don't have an underlying medical issue, and then, you know, figure out what works best for you. I do feel like I need to put in this one quote that I found in one of the articles that I was reading. Okay. For all of us moms. Yeah. This is actually from a New York Times article on parenting and insomnia. Mm. And I'm actually just going to read it. This is a quote by Shelby Harris. A lot of parents that I work with will say to me, even though my baby started sleeping through the night, I stopped sleeping. A lot of moms, some dads, but mostly moms, almost become hardwired to listening for what I call sleep threats. For example, if their kid is going to cry or come to them or or come get them. Even after the threat is gone, they continue to have trouble with sleep because they're so conditioned to listen. And I say, here, here, Shelby Harris. That is exactly what happened with me. And I'm talking years. Wow. No, that like that resonates so strongly because I and and you and I've had this conversation like we are hardwired to wake up between like 3 and 5 a.m every single night. And it's just like you pop up, you're wide awake, and you're just kind of sitting there and you cannot fall back asleep. And I know that that's directly related to when Fisher was up and he needed to be nursed and fed at that time of night. And you're just conditioned to listen to that. Is she called it? What does she call it? A sleep Sleep danger? Sleep threat. Dun, dun, dun. Sleep threat. Okay. No. Hilarious story. So literally the other night, I was like, I kind of was, was like light sleeping, I guess. And I, you know, kind of open one eye, open the other eye. And I'm hearing this little sound. And, you know, you're kind of laying there with like one ear on the pillow. And you're Mm -hmm. like, do I really hear that sound? Or is it just my imagination? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of lift, you kind of peel your ear off the pillow. And then you're like, no, I definitely hear that sound. And it was like this, like, whining sound. It was like, wow, wow. And I'm like, what is that? And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, Fisher is crying in his bed. I'm going to have to get out of bed and go check on him. So I'm like sitting there and I'm listening to see how long it lasts. And then I notice it's like a rhythm. Like it's happening consistently. It's like, was it your fan? No. It was my husband's nose whistling. No! <laughs> it was a nose whistle. <laughs> it was like not quite a snore, but a little bit more than just yeah. air. It was hilarious, but it was right at that pitch. And so then, of course, I realized I'm like, that's that's not my child. So then I like no. roll over and try to go back to sleep. But now I'm awake. So I'm laying there for 45 minutes thinking about what I've got to do the next day. So yes. <laughs> yes. yes, that is what always threat. happens to me. I start running through lists of things that I have to do. <sighs> and I, I have to tell myself in my brain, no, no, not now, not now. <laughs> and then sometimes in a moment of weakness, I will look at my phone and then oh, it's yeah. all over. Yep. Then you're up for at least an hour and a half, if not mm-hmm. longer. Yep. And and my, I don't know about you, but when I pull my phone out at three o'clock in the morning, it's like weird BuzzFeed quizzes. I'm like up taking quizzes about what is my 
Zodiac Disney character based on this meal that I would choose in the south oh, of France no. to eat. It's, it's like the most that, random thing. <laughs> or it's these stories that it's like the teaser part the first part of it is this teaser and you're uh-huh. like you have to know what happened. But then you click on it, and it's like a 75-part thing. Oh, god! And none of them matched the teaser oh, that no. made you click on them. This See, is one of the most dangerous <laughs> things on social media, in my opinion. Like, you're like, but what about the guy that saw the lady that looked just like him? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then it's like, it's always like, when I looked at her face, my heart stopped. And you're like... Why? What? <laughs> Who is she? And 60 stories later, you still don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> but God bless those angels out there that'll throw a comment on and say, this story never appears. Oh, They're the wow. real winners. See, you know, Melanie, you're the real winner to me because you're the person who's actually saying, well, what happened? Well, why? Whereas I'm just like, hum-dee-dum, I wonder what my Zodiac Disney princess character is based on this <laughs> Polynesian buffet that I select on this magical <laughs> Hawaiian vacation I've never had. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there is, a, I, uh, I suppose there's one other thing that I should mention, risk factors for insomnia. Ooh, and this is yes. not great for us ladies. This oh, is not no. great for us at Man. all. Sorry, girls. Uh, nearly everyone has occasional sleepless nights, but your risk for insomnia is greater if you're a woman. Dun da da da! We highly recommend it. <laughs> Hormonal shifts during the menstrual menstrual cycle and in menopause may play a role. Oh, during great. menopause, night sweats and hot flashes oh, often disrupt sleep. And insomnia is also more common with pregnancy. Wow. So wow. We just we are, win all around. We are the real troopers, you know? <laughs> we are the real troopers. You'll need to do an uh, episode on um, restless leg syndrome because that's another thing that contributes to my occasional insomnia is like my legs be twitching in the middle of the night and I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I've never really understood that. I'll have it's to. So I weird. will have to look into that. It's so weird. So, this is really good info, though. Okay, so sleep is important, everybody. We know all the side effects of being tired. You're grumpy. You don't do a good job at work. You might bite someone's head off. You know. So yeah. it's important to do what you can. Try to reduce that stress, or at least set it aside, and. If you want to try some sleep aids, do those. But of course, you know, do your research and consult a professional. Proceed with caution. Okay, Melanie, did you have a spotlight for us today or a call to action? I do. We are spotlighting today the American Academy of Sleep Medicine Foundation. And that is Foundation dot aasm dot org they fund many strategic research projects by leading sleep scientists and grassroots efforts to improve sleep health in the community and training for the next generation of sleep providers and researchers so there is a lot of work being done um, about insomnia and other sleep disorders, and it's such an important part of our lives to be well-rested that it's a really good cause. So that's our spotlight for today. I love it. We'll check them out. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com.